the one thing I, I love to challenge people with is the one question I believe will change your life. It's every morning waking up and asking yourself, how can I do a little bit better today? How can I do just a little bit better today? How can I be more present on that call? How can I be a little more intentional with that prospect conversation? How can I prepare a little bit more for that next presentation? It's not, you know, lightning change. It's not saying, hey, I need to change my world or win the lottery tonight. It's like, how can I do just a little bit better? That 1% when compounded over time creates massive results. The can't see choice to do a little bit better creates the can't miss result that we really want in our life. That is just one of many insightful pieces of our conversation with Jake Thompson. He is a self-made entrepreneur who started a company and a brand by selling t-shirts out of the back of his car. Almost 10 years later, Jake is a keynote speaker, a mental performance coach, and an author. And everything Jake does is wrapped around the notion of competing every day. You're about to find out why on episode 32 of Power Forward. This is Power Forward. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform, entertain, and educate. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast series do not constitute legal or other professional advice, opinions, or endorsements of any kind. All right. Welcome back to Power Forward. Justin White alongside Mateen Kleebs. Mateen, as always, how you doing, my friend? Justin, I am flying high, baby. Let's go. Flying high. I like that. That's that's a new one. You, you threw me a wrinkle there. Oh, yeah, man. You know that. You know me. It's no telling what's going to come out of my mouth. I but like I'm that. happy and I'm enjoying life. I like that. I like the unpredictability. Keep me on my toes. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know it's been a while for you, Mateen, since you've laced up the sneakers and gotten out on the court and really had a had a competitive game of basketball. I'm talking like with the uniform on, the, the whole thing. Oh, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that after today's episode, you're going to get those competitive juices flowing again. You're going to want to get back out there. You're going to want to go oh, compete against yeah. somebody. Now, this is my kind of party right here. Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring in today's guest. And, Mateen, I'm not going to lie. When I first found out about this guy, I had to check and see if he was on the payroll for our company. Because (laughs) the name of his company, the name of his brand aligns so closely with our vision as a company. He is Jake Thompson. He is the chief encouragement officer at Compete every day. Jake, welcome to Power Forward. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, you and I talked previously, and, and I was just struck by the irony of, of your brand, that that name, Compete Every Day, because um, competition is something that we really embrace as a company. It's something that's kind of woven through our, our culture. It's a part of the messaging um, for our clients, you know, a huge part of our business. So um, it seemed kind of like the stars aligned a little bit for you to join us on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that first conversation you and I got to have and just hearing the culture y'all have built there, the culture that you've just infused with this idea of showing up, competing every day, doing your best. Uh, it felt like a natural fit. Obviously, uh, it's something I live by, Mateen, a competitive athlete I know you live by as well. And then talking to Justin, that pursuit of more, I was like, man, this is going to be a really fun conversation for us today. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, just speaking of compete every day, because some people might, you know, 
you know, that's what, that's how winners think. Okay. Uh, compete every day. When did it, it all come together that this is what it's about? I'm going to compete every day. Man, you, I, you know, I told Justin, I grew up in East Texas. So for me, Friday Night Lights, that was the lifestyle growing mm. up. Like you live for that football game. And I was a smaller athlete. Like I was never going to be the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. And so I learned very early on if I would outwork people, if I would outsmart people, if I would just get into competing against them, pushing myself, I had a chance to play. And that's how you got on the field. That's how you learn to win the game. And so for me, that carried a, a lot of my life of having this competitive mindset of I want to beat that person. I want to beat this person. I want to be better. I want to see what I can do. And then I got into my late 20s, early 30s, and I was having this just struggle mentally of constantly living in comparison. I was burning myself out. I was always trying to keep up with someone else. You know, you're not, when you're in that state of mind, you're not looking at how far you've gone, how much you've gotten better, what you've done. You're always just thinking about, man, I'm not where someone else is. And so I started really looking at what successful people are doing. How are these people that just seem to be a little more fulfilled with their work? They're driving excellence. What do they have? And it really came down to looking at where they're looking at, which is in the mirror. And so this idea started to stick with me of like, man, I'm such a competitive guy. How can I take this mindset into every day? What would that look like? And not in a burnout sense, but in an energizing sense. And it came to this idea of competing every day against your best. What do I have? How can I raise the bar? Because that's the only person I control. It's the only thing I can control is how am I going to show up and compete every day against my best? I don't have your talents. I don't have Justin's talents. I don't have y'all's experiences, but I do have my own. And how am I going to raise that bar? And so that's really when it started to click. It was, I was getting back into health and fitness after kind of getting out of shape after college. I was pushing myself in the gym. I was pushing myself to build a career and it all just started to run together of like, this is the message. And when I talked to people about it and you'd hear how they would respond of like, Oh, I'm competing for this in my career or I'm competing at this. So my kids see what it looks like to show up every day. I was like, okay, we've got something here. I got to run with this now. <laughs> and I want to ask you about the story uh, of how you, you know, you came to, to basically start the company um, and, and build this brand. And now you're a, you know, you're a keynote speaker, you're a mental performance coach, you're an author. Um, you've got your own podcast and it's all wrapped around this, this brand that you've got compete every day. Um, but I want to ask you, first of all, about something you just mentioned, because the notion of competing against yourself, uh, I think is something that, you know, we need to all look at more closely because it's so hard, especially today, Jake, to not compare yourself to others, you know, competition, um, innately, you say, Oh, I'm competing against you and you, and you know, whether it's in your, you know, your work life or, um, you know, playing sports, whatever the case may be. But I think when you, when you kind of reshape your focus like that and you say, I'm going to compete against myself, um, that's a, that's just a different way of, of approaching things, right? It, it is. And, and it's hard, like you said, with social media, with us being more connected than ever, it's hard not to look at everyone else's lane, what everyone else is doing. And to a degree, competing with other people, I think is great. If it's the right attitude, the right focus, they make us better. It's why when we go work out or when we play ball, like we want to play with our friends, we want to work out with certain people because they're going to push us in those moments to get better. Like, Ooh, they're going faster. Can I go a little bit faster? Can I go a little bit heavier? So competition brings out the best with us. But when it comes to life, it's a lot like track. 
If you imagine a hundred meter sprinter lined up at the starting line, feeder in the blocks, gun fires, boom, takes off sprinting at that finish line up straight ahead of them. But as they're running, if they start to think, I wonder where everyone else is. I wonder where the, the other racers are who just yelled at me from the stands and they start looking around. Well, naturally your body slows down. You can't run at peak speed forward. If your shoulders are twisted, if your head is turned, if you're doing anything but focusing on your finish line and running your race, the same applies to life as it does with track. Like it's only by looking at our finish line, showing up with our best, controlling what we control and doing the best with that every day that we're able to become our best. There's other people, there's other influencers, there's things ahead of us that inspire us, that push us and that challenge us. But at the end of the day, it's waking up, it's looking yourself in the mirror and saying, how can I do better today? One area, show up more present with my family, make more calls, be more uh, you know, positive and optimistic going into that sales process, working my process every day. It's me versus me. And that's really what's the separator because that is something that doesn't burn you out like comparison, that doesn't just rob you of joy of the process. You get to enjoy the process. You get to grow, you get to get better and you still get to compete. Man, I love that. Jake, oh my God, I just, man, you got me fired up. Oh man, and I knew this was gonna be fun. But you know, I, I, it made me think about when I played in the NBA and I was with Sacramento Kings, but I won't name players. And um, it was a younger player on the team. And what he was doing was trying to live up to some of these veteran guys that have been there that have earned their roles on the team and, and great at their roles. Some of the, you know, best players in the league at the time doing what they did. And it was a young player. And I said, hey, man, quit trying to prove you can shoot better than that guy. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. Be the best version of yourself. What he's not really good at is uh, defending. What he's not really good at is rebounding and finishing, you know, on the fast break. So be that. So if you want to try to get, you know, some some more game time and, you know, get more playing time, be the best version of yourself because they already got him. You will never, ever shoot good as he can on your best day and his worst. But my advice to him, and you talked about that, Jake, was be the best version of yourself. Compete against yourself. If you're the best version of you, then they'll find playing time for you because you can impact his team. Man, I love that. And that, that is so spot on of like, identify what you can do well, where the team needs it. They've got this guy. Mm-hmm. What are you going to add value to? You know, being a, a Dallas guy talking hoops, like one of my favorite players is never going to make the Hall of Fame, but it's J.J. Barea. Oh, yeah. He's the kid that was over, overlooked, went undrafted, and over the last, you know, 10 years has made, you know, 40, 50 million plus won an NBA title, and you go back to that 2011 championship game, He all he's doing, harassing LeBron, running fast breaks. He's not <laughs> trying to score 40 points a game. He's just trying to be a spark off the bench, and that's what he does well. And when he got out of that, when he went to Minnesota, they tried to put him in a different spot. It didn't quite work as well. Came back to Dallas. They're like, you're the sixth man. You're the energy guy off the bench. Mm-hmm. Play hard, hustle. Like, we just need that boost. Just like you talked about with that one guy, like, Can you do the fast break? Can you do defensive rebounds? Can you run? Like teams need that. And we overlook it because we're looking at someone else and we want the highlight reels versus the process of getting better. Right. And Justin, I know you want to get in here and and people, and I want to make sure that our listeners are, this can happen in the, in the business you know, as well. This can happen in corporate America. You know, don't be yourself. Don't try to go out and be with somebody. 
Be you. Be the best version of you, and you can have an impact uh, in your companies as well. All right. Well, well. Speaking of companies, um, we got we got to hear more about the story, Jake. You know, because I know you have a sports background. Uh, you're you're a you know you're a student of leadership. You're you're big into the sports psychology side of things. But how how did you start compete every day? Take us through how it all began and, and how you've gotten to the point you're at right now. Yeah. So I grew up wanting to be the next Jerry Maguire. Like no question. Like that was what I wanted. I was never going to play pro ball. I was like, I'm going to go this route. And I spent a few, man, I spent a few years in that space on the football side. And the guy that started the company is a great guy who I'm still friends with. The agent I worked for, not as much. And as I got into that space and started building relationships with guys while working and really seeing some of it, I said, man, I don't want this. Like, I'm going to lose my love of the game. And that was really important to me is to be able to enjoy the game. And so, flash forward 2008, I left that agency job. Uh, I was finishing up my MBA. The economy was in the tank. So, here I am with grad school, very non-traditional work experience, couldn't get any kind of job or work. And so, I just started freelancing. Started as basic graphic design. I started leveraging brand and marketing strategy um, because that was kind of more in my wheelhouse and built a pretty good consulting business here in Dallas Fort Worth. I had a, a number of clients from small mom and pop shops to international tech companies and IT companies, but I really wasn't fulfilled. Spent a few years doing it and, and I was making good money. I was having, you know, nice car and toys and going out on the weekend, but I was really unfulfilled. And I read a book by a guy named Donald Miller called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And essentially, the, the whole crux of the book is Miller wrote a bestseller book years before. These people wanted to turn it into a movie. And he talks about what he learns about stories and the power of story and, and really with life. That if we were to be someone that all we did was build up our wealth, buy a nice car, drive off into the sunset. Yeah, it may sound cool, but like anybody watching that movie would be like, I don't want to sit through this. This is boring. Like we want someone that overcomes conflict. We want somebody that steps up to challenges. We want somebody that has a vision bigger than just their own bank account. And he talks about all this. And I remember reading that book and thinking, I'm living a really crappy story. Like at this point, everything I'm doing is for me. It's about nothing for anyone else. Like if I were to die, my legacy would be a sandcastle that's washed off. I've done nothing to pay anything forward that I've learned, that I've built any of that. And so I started exploring how could I just challenge people to pursue greatness in, in their health, in their work, in their relationships? What would that look like? And ultimately, that process is what started this idea of competing every day against yourself, this pursuing greatness. And so I, I came up with the brand name at the end of 2010, spent about six to eight months just trying different projects to figure out what would work with it. Nothing stuck. Uh, everything was like, ah, oh, it sounds good. It doesn't really work. But the message would resonate with people. And so finally, my best friend was my roommate at the time. He was like, man, you should look at this t-shirt company out of Boston called Life is Good. He said, they have a little stick figure guy. They do, you know, 120, 150 million a year. He said, it's just a simple concept. He said, I think you can do the same. And so I took some money I'd set aside for a guy's trip, threw it into a few boxes of t-shirts and tank tops, 
and just on the side of my consulting business, started selling them out of the trunk of my car behind a, a CrossFit gym in Dallas or at a coffee shop, wherever people wanted to take a look at them. I was kind of like, I laughed at, I was like the drug dealer. Like you go out, pop the trunk, let's look at the latest shirts and gear and just started building it that way uh, back in 2011. Wow. And you hit on something that kind of caught my attention. And uh, you, you said something about relationships. And, um, you know, when, you, when you're starting your business and you uh, you had a consulting business and uh, because you're just getting off the ground, you don't really know anybody. And I remember being recruited by Coach Izzo when he first started. And everybody knows the Hall of Fame coach. I remember being recruited by him when he had nothing to sell to me. And he couldn't sell me on, you know, sending guys to the NBA and all, you know, winning championships. He had nothing to sell to me, but the person he was and the relationships that we built, you know, over the recruiting process. So that's that's how he, he um, you know, I think gets a lot of his players is the relationships he's built with them. Now, you building your company, how important was building relationships when you were trying to get uh, your company going off the ground? Man, that's all I had. Uh, you know, I had T-shirts printed, but like nothing else. I didn't have a clue what I was doing from a, an apparel standpoint or e-commerce. And so I was just passionate about this message and who in my network that I knew that I could encourage with this message. That's kind of why I took that spin on CEO to chief encouragement officer is like, I want to use this message to encourage you to do that, to compete, to show up. And so I heavily, heavily invested in that. When I started hiring, you know, part-time people and, and people to work with us, it was all about investing in the relationship. And, and a lot of times we know that on the business side, sometimes we don't let someone go because we've invested in that relationship too much, even though it's not a good fit. And so I ran into that, like every business owner, you let people kind of be there a little too long, but man, that's been crucial is investing in the person. And the one thing that's, I didn't know it at the time, even though I was doing it, that I've heard now over and over and over again on our podcast with coaches and you hit it on the nail on the head with coach Izzo. All of these coaches have reiterated some version of this. If you get to a player's heart, you can get to their head. If you can get to their heart, they'll run through a wall for you. You can apply any strategy, but you, they got to know you care. And the same thing applies in our corporate life, in our, you know, all of that, especially we're building teams like they need to know you care about them. And, and fortunately, I've been blessed to have some people that have come and gone over the years that have worked with us, but they knew like at the end of the day, I want to see you win. Like if you leave me to go pursue something else, like that's great. And so we, you were still on great terms. And I think that's crucial to every business because a lot of us take this mindset that I don't want to invest in you in case you leave. Like I'm, I have that scarcity mindset if you leave, but in reality, like true leadership, true team building is I'm going to invest in you and make you better. I hope you stay because we have such an environment you want to be a part of. But if you leave, that's okay because you're doing well and we've invested in you. It's always better than us not investing you and then you stay because that makes us all worse. I know you love uh, the, the part about care, Mateen. That, that's one of your oh, hallmarks right there. Man. Chill bumps. I got chill bumps on my arm when he said the care. That's important. That, that's the foundation when you're talking about leadership. Yeah. I mean, I see that sign right behind you. Oh, yeah. Do the others as you'd have them do to you. Yeah. That's right. Servant leadership. That's right. So, so Jake, you have this vision. You have this message. And, and you're like you said, you're selling T-shirts out of your trunk. But what was the big break? I mean, how did you, how did you get to the point where you said to yourself, okay, this, this might actually work. I might be able to make a living doing this. So, I, I laugh and I talk about it a little bit in my book. I kept thinking there was going to be a big break. 
there was going to be a big tipping point that like all I needed was this one magic moment. And so early on, I'm trying to give out as much apparel to quote unquote influencers and celebrities. And we had someone on dancing with the stars wearing one of our shirts. We've, we've had a bunch of pro baseball players wearing our shirts, but nothing ever like sent sales driving. And it was one of those things that about 2013, 2014, three years in at this point, I just stopped looking for one. I was like, man, it'd be nice if something comes along, but what am I going to do today to move the ball down the field? What am I going to do today to score another bucket essentially? And so for me, that was kind of that point of end of 2014, early 2015, when I started getting asked to come speak by companies that I wasn't even thinking about the speaking career in that, but I was thinking, Oh, companies are interested in us now. Maybe there's more to this. Like maybe we can keep doing this. And so we started building it 2016. We started looking at our landscape. We were still heavily involved in the health and fitness market. I was like, we can't do this forever in this space. We were doing expos. We were traveling. It wasn't what I wanted for the rest of my life. It wasn't sustainable from a brand. And so our team was just like, you need to write a book you need to tell this brand message more. Like you need to tell this story. Like the brand is you, whether you like it or not. And so I was like, okay, like let's slowly turn the ship. And then 2017, I started outlining where do we want to go? And we just started moving it that direction. And honestly, like it was the three steps backwards. And you would think being six years into a business that you're like, oh, you're fine. You're rolling along. And and I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it like 2017, early 2018. I'm like, I took some big gambles and our market shifted. And so it was like, grit your teeth, hang on for dear life. But I know this is the best play long term. And so it's that captain that just says, we're going to steer into the storm, stay the course, ride it out. And when we get to the other side, this will have been the right decision. And looking back now, it absolutely was. Um, but it was kind of one of those moments where you still like, is, you know, is this real? Do I get to do this for a living? How much fun is this? And so you always kind of have those moments along the way, but the, the tipping point for me never came. And I finally had to learn, like, there's no magic tipping point. Occasionally lucky breaks happen. You get a special opportunity for your one magic moment. You get that. But the only reason you get that is because you're working your tail off nonstop every month, every year until it arrives. Otherwise those things show up and we never even see them because we aren't ready for them. Nice. Wow. And and this is, and you just, you talked about going to speak at different companies and that's what you do now. Yeah. Um, so this is the point guard in me because now I'm and you're a humble guy, but this is the point guard in me. So I want to throw you an avenue here. Um, you know, if you're going to speak to some of these different companies, what are, what, what, what should they expect when, when Jake come to town and, and, and do what he does? Yeah. So a lot of mine's energy and around how to compete. And what I love most about working with teams, a lot of sales, a lot of business development is, is kind of my area. Uh, but I've spoken with HR staffing, college athletics is a big one. What I want and what I aim for more than anything is there's some incredible speakers in the world. Everyone's got a different message, but the worst thing that can happen is you bring me in as a company, I get everyone fired up and then they walk out the door and they're like, I have no idea how to, use this. I don't like even know how to apply it. It's like, it sounds great in theory, but like, what do we do? And so my goal every time is to not only be like, here's some great stories. Here's how we're going to get you fired up. But 
Here's how we're going to immediately apply it. If you're on the sales team, like here's what you're going to start working this next week. If you're in HR, like here's how we control our controllables or hold each other accountable. Because more than anything to me, like I love getting people fired up and, and seeing the light switch a little bit in their eyes and, and the change. But man, it does nothing without that implementation. And so for me, it's all about how do we get you to move and take action and just run with some of this. If I don't see the effects of it, I'm okay with that as long as I know you ran with it. And you, Jake, you mentioned sales teams, you know, and we've, we've got, we've got a big one here. Um, you know, all of our clients in their own right are entrepreneurs because they're out there every day um, hustling for those, for those commission checks or hustling for their, you know, for their income. And right there on your business card, it says, I help driven people become championship performers who make bigger impacts. So, so let's dive into that for, for a moment. You know, just your message when, when you're speaking to a group that, that is in sales, um, that is in, you know, in entrepreneurship, um, what, are, what are the key elements um, of a speech or of a presentation you'll make to a group like that? Yeah, so a lot of it is customized based on that team. For instance, I just spoke to a large university here in Texas, their fundraising team, which is a sales process. They're dealing with quarantine, but their focus talking to them, their biggest challenge is dealing with all this uncertainty and these changes. So we, we heavily, that whole session was about controlling your controllables. Like how do we lock in on our attitude, effort, actions, and focus every single day? What are some practical takeaways that we can do to build that? How can we hold each other accountable? Whereas at the beginning of the year in January, before all this hit, I was with the sales team that's a large tool company here in the States. And we sat down and talked about what's a winning team look like. Like even though we're sales, we're all kind of going after different targets and clients. We have to work together. Like we can't, I'm not going to hide this information from you because we're not going after the same people. How do we collaborate together to really compete against other companies in the space? And so a lot of that comes down to focus daily process. It's that sports mindset of like, what work do I need to do today? How can I do it to my best of my ability? Doesn't matter when game day is, it matters what I do today. And so we talk heavily about not big things because the big results, the big changes, the big sales we want, they're the results of the small things. And so we deep dive into daily choices, daily decisions, things that are 100% in our control, which is kind of what I talked about in the book. Some of like, I had this idea that it's a big lucky break or it's luck or it's who you know, or special circumstances. And those things come into play, but you can't rely on them. You have to focus on what's in your control, make the right choices every day. And that over time is how we build that success. Oh man, definitely. I totally agree with that. Now, I, let me ask you this because um, I have parents that held me highly accountable, uh, which I, I definitely benefited from. But I have parents that instill self-confidence in me at an early age. Um, you know, what's your take on self-confidence? How, how important do you think uh, self-confidence uh, is to a person that's trying to be successful in life? Oh, huge. Huge, I think it is. I think it's important to not only have that confidence, but to be constantly trying to build it. Now, not that arrogance, cockiness, but we build confidence right. by doing the work. It starts when someone like a parent, like a teacher, like a friend speaks life into us. So that encouragement is peace. How do we inspire courage in someone? And then once they start to do it, 
they start to build their own confidence by, by slowly getting that progress and, and developing. And so that for me, I think is a big piece because a, a lot of people today don't have confidence because nobody's ever spoken life into them. No one's ever encouraged them. So man, looking around your office right now, like who's that coworker that you could just go say something nice and positive to about their effort. The challenge we get into a lot of times is we only praise the, the outcome. We praise the final score. We praise how many points you scored in that game. And I was incredibly beneficial that it, my parents not only held me accountable, but they praised the process. I love how hard you worked today. I love how you encouraged your teammates. Man, I know you were scared after getting hit, you know, with that baseball, but I loved how you got back into that batter spot. It's like those are the things they praise because as kids, we don't ever think about it, especially as parents and coaches, but those are the things that stick. And all of this psychology and research out now talks about how we heavily praise process over outcome in youth and youth start to really push toward working hard as things to be rewarded, you know, being a good teammate. The same applies in our offices. Like a lot of times we're so sales number oriented that sometimes somebody can be working the process exactly right. And they're just having tougher prospects or a tougher product or something that's creating more challenges. And if they're only focused on that outcome, and if the boss is only focused on the outcome, they may lose the opportunity to pour into a really strong salesperson and employee who's just working that process the right way. And that just hasn't broken through yet. And when they do, man, it's like the dam breaks and the water flood in. And so we have to be very mindful of that, especially in the business sense of, of focus on that outcome. But we really need to praise that process. Um, Kansas State basketball team, they talked about, there's a big article maybe this past year about them, how they have a, a scoreboard in their locker room. And I'm sure, Mateen, you guys did too of like you got points not for points but hustle plays like yes. diving on the ball for loose uh balls you know defensive rebounds taking a charge things that most fans are just so oblivious to but matter so much it's the same in type of our companies like what are the things that matter so much that aren't the final sale but how many times you're picking up the phone and how many you know all of those kind of pieces that we have to be aware of and pour into and it goes back to that, you know, the point you made earlier, Jake, about kind of looking at things on a micro level as opposed to macro. And, and you know, people set goals all the time. And I know Mateen is a huge believer in setting goals, but it, it's almost, you know, counterintuitive because set goals, yes, but don't make them too big that you lose perspective when it comes to doing those small things every day. They're going to help you get to those goals, right? Yeah. And that's what happens to most of us. That's why January people set big resolutions and, and don't even make it three weeks into January is the goal is either too big, it's too vague, or we never actually create a daily process to get there. Uh, the one thing I always laugh about in, in my talks is how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. It's the same way you do a bowl of lucky charms. <laughs> Like the bowl and the, there may be more bites, but it's still one bite at a time. And so when we talk about sales, we talk about business development. We, I use a, a competitor scorecard is what we call it, but it's essentially like five to six items every single day you work that are in your control, picking up the phone and calling prospects, sending thank you cards or text messages to previous clients to let them know, Hey, I still appreciate you. I'm thinking about you investing 10 minutes into reading a book or listening to a podcast to grow like things that help you that are those process pieces that if you do them enough over time, they're going to get you the results you want. They're going to build and stack on top of each other to get you where you want to go. Uh, I, I think it was Bill Walsh and I'm going to butcher it if not, but 
the quote around you earn your championships in practice, you simply pick them up on game day. The work you do in practices and offseason and sales, it's the work we do every single day that gets us that big bonus check at the end of the year. It's not one single decision. It's the little decisions every day. Oh, I love that. And one of my sayings is, you know, you know, great play, and this is a basketball thing, but great players take a thousand shots in practice to make that one shot in the game. And that's kind of like, you know, for sales, you 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 calling people constantly every day. And then you might just hit that one big account that could change your life. So I'm, I am super big on that. I love, I love you mentioning that. I was listening to, I think it's the up and smoke podcast, uh, with Matt Barnes and I'm going to blank on who his co-host is uh, retired Jackson, Steven Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to uh, T-Mac Tracy McGrady and McGrady said that Kobe taught him one of the most important lessons when they were young, that they were getting ready to travel somewhere. And T-Mac was going to go play ball uh, with some guys. And Kobe's like, no, he said, you need to go to the court and just shoot. He said, cause if you go play pickup games, you may get four or five shots a game. He said, if you go to the gym, you can get a thousand shots in. <laughs> he said, what's going to make you better? Like that thousand shots or, Hey, I'm going to go play around and have some fun. And it's exactly what you just said right there. Like you keep taking those shots for that one time you're ready for it. You've done the work you're prepared. And, you know, you, you bring up Kobe, obviously known as, as one of the most competitive players, maybe in the history of the NBA, maybe, you know, in the history of sports. Um, but, you know, speaking of, of that, you know, the, the competitive factor when it comes to somebody who is in a role where they're in sales or business development, uh, they're out there hustling every day. If, if they were to say to you, you know, Jake, I, I'm just not that competitive. I just don't have that kind of fire. Um, how do you kind of get them to the point where they need to be to go out there and be successful? Yeah. So a lot of that, I have to address almost every talk at the beginning because every company has that dynamic. You have the people that just loves to compete. And then you have the ones when they hear the word, they're like, eh, not for me. Don't like sports. I don't like this idea of beating someone else. I, you know, it's not, I'm not there, but then you challenge them and like, well, don't you want to do a little bit better? Like, don't you want to earn a little bit more? Don't you want to provide a little bit more for your family. Like when you start to challenge them with like growth opportunities, well, they're like, yeah, you know, I'd love to do that. I'm not quite as comfortable as where I want to be, or I'd love to take this trip. Then you say, well, the only way you get there is by competing against yourself. Like how do you learn to just enjoy that process? Maybe let's take the word compete out for you. Let's just talk about raising the bar, raising that standard. How do you do that? And so then we get back into that controllable piece. We get into talking about what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? And and the one thing I I love to challenge people with is the one question I believe will change your life. It's every morning waking up and asking yourself, how can I do a little bit better today? How can I do just a little bit better today? How can I be more present on that call? How can I be a little more intentional with that prospect conversation? How can I prepare a little bit more for the next presentation? It's not, you know, lightning change. It's not saying, hey, I need to change my world or win the lottery tonight. It's like, how can I do just a little bit better? That 1% when compounded over time creates massive results. The can't see choice to do a little bit better creates the can't miss result that we really want in our life. Love that. And it's funny when Justin asked you that question, I, I started laughing, you know, to myself because I'm saying because we had Coach Izzo on the, on the show. And I, I said, Justin, I wish you would have asked Coach Izzo that because it would have been a lot of bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> what you mean you're not competitive? Bleep, bleep, bleep. But um, yeah, let me ask you this, uh, Jake, because leaders, um, 
Some people say leaders have to be born. Uh, you cannot make a leader. Uh, what's your take on that? Can leaders, are leaders born or can you make a leader? Talk to me, Jake. Leadership, grit, mental toughness, confidence, all of those things. You may be born with natural tendencies for them, but those skills are built. Those skills are built every single day, one choice at a time, one day at a time. And so I 100% believe leaders can be built. You may have different strengths and somebody may need to lean on you and your leadership style a little bit different than someone else. But at the end of the day, for me, leadership is setting the tone with your action. And most importantly, not caring about your followers and how many people are following you, but caring about how you invest in those followers to make them leaders. Like that's mm -hmm. leadership. So whether you have a team of three and you're like, well, I only have three people on my team. I'm not that big of a leader. How are you investing in those three? Because how you're investing in those three is probably better than someone on social media with a hundred thousand followers. Like that, that's where we get into that leadership because that's how you create that chain reaction. I help one person who helps two, who helps 10 and on and on and on and on. And that's what leadership should look like. So I'm 100% confidence, mental toughness, grit. Like when people are like, ah, I'm just not naturally that way. Good. Build it. It's the same. Like it's the one thing like you build it. Like my phrase I talk about in the book is outwork your talent. Like it doesn't matter if you are Michael Jordan and have the best talent in the world. Like you can't tell me watching the last dance, his talent is what made him the best. He worked his tail off. So if you have great talent, awesome, outwork it. If you have no talent, you think, good, outwork it. You still have a chance to succeed because as Angela Duckworth talks in her book, Grit, effort counts twice as much as talent in the big picture. So effort, putting in the effort to build those leadership skills, to build that mental resilience, to build that focus is so much more important than what you were naturally born with. And to, to me, what you just talked about really – um, ties closely to being self-aware, kind of knowing yourself, you know, you, being honest with yourself and kind of looking in the mirror and saying, okay, I'm going to assess how talented I am or how good I am at, you know, at my job or at the, the sport that I play. And, and once you're able to be honest with yourself and kind of self-assess, then it kind of makes everything else easier because then you know exactly what you've got to do to kind of to fill in the holes and, and maybe, um, you know, make up for what you may be lacking um, in the talent department, right? Absolutely. I mean, for a lot of people, self-awareness is what's lacking. And so if you're not aware of what you're missing or where your, your blind spots are, how can you build and correct them? One of the things I challenge people to do is this little exercise of taking out a sticky note or a notepad every night and writing down one situation from the day. It could be an interaction with a prospect, uh, interaction with your kids, you, you lost your temper here, you, you procrastinate, whatever it is. One situation at the end of the day that if we were honest and we had a do-over, we would like to do a little bit better because we all have them every day. We're never batting perfect. And so I tell them to write it down. And then underneath it, I say, right next time I will. And write down what you want to do differently the next time. And the reason I have them do it at night is, is a few reasons. One, we retain information better that we physically write than what we type. Or what most of us do is just make a mental note. And the next time we're in that situation, we forget everything we said we wanted to do. So we're, we're trying to put a gap and, and a stop to that. The second is writing it down. We start to identify the traits and the characteristics of the person we want to become, who we want to grow into. And so if you're doing this exercise every night, one experience every day, you're further identifying who you want to become. 
And secondarily, if you get through two weeks, you can look back at these lessons from the last two weeks and say, oh, I'm seeing a thread. Like I'm constantly procrastinating on this one project. So then you start to become more self-aware because you ask yourself, well, why am I doing this? Why am I continuing to, you know, be distracted when I'm with the kids? Do I need to put my phone in the other room? Like you build that self-awareness by writing it down and starting to understand how you want to become better and where you're falling short. So which allows us to course correct on what we want to do and where we want to go. Hmm. I wish, I wish my team could have talked to you back in 2000 before. Like some of the guys, you're not a shooter, so don't take that shot. You got to be self-aware, Jay. We could have used some of that advice, man, especially on some of the teams I played in the NBA. But let me ask you this because you got, I mean, you, you, I got to ask you who influenced you. First of all, whoever it was, you need to send them a tip because they did a, a heck of a job with you. But um, was it a coach? Was it a combination of coach and parents? No, who who was some of your influences growing up? Yeah, man, coaches and parents were, were big. My head coach and, and quarterback coach in high school, uh, two of the most influential guys uh, because they poured into me, but they also knew, like, we're going to push you with some competitive. Like, we're going to challenge you with the guy behind you and the guy ahead of you because we know you're going to rise up and you're going to try to work harder. My parents were great about always encouraging me. Uh, my dad, I laughed, a lesson, one of the lessons he gave me that is always stuck that I've actually heard a ton of other athletes talk about is when I was in like first grade, I got hit in the face with a baseball during warmups and I was pretty good baseball player when I was young. But after that happened, like I didn't want to sit in the box. And I I told them like the next week, I was like, I'm done. I quit. I don't want to play baseball anymore. I don't like it. And he was like, you play through the end of the year. He's like, you signed up, you play through the end of the year. And, And two things that that always stuck with me is you make a commitment to others. You honor the commitment. You stick with your teammates. And the second he knew I didn't hate baseball. He just knew I was afraid of the ball. And if I quit, I might make that a habit of constantly running from other situations. And so I poured into that. I had to learn to face that fear. So those were the biggest early ones. And then I've had just some incredible mentors on the speaking side, on the leadership side, Uh, I'm always trying to learn. So I'm listening to interviews of of people like I don't always agree with. Um, Joe Rogan has an incredible podcast where he pulls in all these people. And so I'll pop in and listen to conversations because I want my thoughts challenged because I want to ask questions to be like, well, why do I think this way? What can I learn? And so I deep dive into a lot of that content. Uh, My books are all kind of packed up right now, but I'm consuming a lot to say, what do I like about this and how would I put a spin on it? Or what do I think differently? Or what would I add on? Because it's it's kind of what's been there. John Gordon, you know, you guys podcast, Alan Stein, who's a mutual friend as well. He's had, you know, some influences on me. And so there's been some great people along the way that have poured in and just shared. And so my philosophy has changed so much over the years from when I was 18, 19, like a lot of us to now, I'm like, now I'm an open book. Like, you want to talk shop? Like, here's what I did. Here's what I did wrong. Here's what I learned. Here's how I do this because I just want to pay it forward because I think there's enough, especially in America, especially with even corporate America, like there's enough success out there for the people that are going to put in the work for it because most of them, they get the information and they sit on it. But man, if you're going to share stuff, if you're going to help others all for it, run with it. Clearly, you know, you, um, you've got a natural curiosity about you and you're, you know, you're an avid, obviously, reader. You're an avid podcast listener. You, you love to, you know, consume knowledge and figure out ways it can help make you better. Um, but I want to ask you about the, the speaking 
part of what it is you do because you know I'm always fascinated by people who are keynote speakers or motivational speakers. Um, and I always like to ask them, you know, is, is this something you were born with? Is it something that you knew was going to be your thing? Um, did you feel like you were going to throw up the first time you got on stage? <laughs> um, was was the speaking thing something that you knew you had in you, or, or were there some doubts when you first started doing it? Yeah, no, it's funny. When I grew up, my youth pastor and pastor at my church when I was a kid always laughed and told my mom I was going to be a pastor one day. And I laughed. I was like, you have no idea what I'm doing on the weekends, buddy. Like, I am not (laughs) going that route. And I just never thought about it. And the first time I got asked to speak is, is one of the largest hospitals in Houston, their HR team. The son played, the VP son played baseball, found us on Twitter they ended up buying, you know, 150 shirts for the HR staff. They're like, Hey, would you come speak? And I'm like, about what? They were like, just your company, your message. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And so I show up with like a backwards baseball cap t-shirt on. I've got notes. Like I'm going through my story. And afterwards the VP pulled me aside and, and she's become a really good friend now. And she's like, you need to do more of this. And I was like, what? And she's like, you need to go speak more. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Filed it away, would go speak at schools or other places, companies over the next few years, not think anything about it. And then in late 2016, when we started to move and shift the company kind of more toward media and thought leadership, I ended up uh, finding a guy named Michael Port, um, who wrote a book, Book Yourself Solid was his first book years ago. and, And he got into training professional speakers. And I happened to catch him at some business conference I was at and I watched him work with people on stage. And I was like, this is the guy like this would be like seeing a shooting coach who corrects a couple people's just subtle movements. And suddenly they're just, and you're like, this is a guy I need to work with. And so I went to his conference, looked it up and, and decided, I said, Hey, if I'm, if this is the way we want to go, I'm going all in. And so I went and trained with them over a four month period in Philadelphia I worked with another buddy in Nashville on the business development side, learning that process and then said, Hey, let's go. And and during it, it it just, my mindset shifted to like, this is the best way to get this message out because I can encourage you with a t-shirt. You may love it and have it and where does it go to? But when I get on stage, I can tell more stories and I can expand how you might see yourself and how you change. And so at that point, once I kind of committed and then I started getting on stages, I never felt more at home. Like I love that experience of being there. And, and the biggest piece of it is I don't feel like I'm going to throw up. Even at my biggest ones, I've never felt like I was going to throw up because my coach taught me at a very young, at the very beginning, stop. If you think about yourself on the stage, if you're worried about what the audience is going to say, or you're sick, or whatever he said, it's because you're thinking about you your job as a speaker is to be in service of that audience. And not everybody's going to take your message and run with it. But if you go on stage and just say, how can I help you get better? He said, you don't have that same feeling. It's more excitement. And so I get a little anxious. I have my little pre-routine to get music and get in that right state of mind. But when I go on stage, it's about locking eyes and just saying, how can I make your day a little bit better? How can I make your life a little bit better by sharing something that maybe you can run with? And so now, yeah, now after doing it for a couple of years, uh, I would say this is probably what I feel like, quote, I was born to do. Uh, but I, as I laugh with people who ask me about getting into the space of like, oh, that looks easy. I'm like, yeah, that one hour speech, I've probably given it 40 other stages and I've practiced it another 200 hours in my home or in my office. So that's hour 300, we'll say. 
you're going to be a lot better at hour 300 than you are at hour one. And they're like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. And so that's where you find something you enjoy, like sales, like speaking, like writing, you enjoy that process piece of, Hey, I love to practice and tell stories and how can I improve it? Um, and go along that flow like a stand-up comedian does. Like they get on stage knowing some nights they're going to have bad jokes, but the only way I make the set better is by telling the bad jokes and seeing what doesn't work, but they don't care. They're like, okay, cool. Cross it out. What can I do to do better next time? You, you nailed it. And I mean, I, I mean, I couldn't help but think just now, you know, I'm sitting here in front of our green screen, in our studio, and you know, Mateen and I both uh, previously worked in television. And, you know, I know, I know you get this question too, Mateen. I still get it. People would say, Oh, did you get nervous um, before you'd go on air? And I would tell people, yes, I would always get a little bit nervous because I cared, you know, I wanted to do a good job, but I never let it get the best of me because I was always so focused on the show, on what we were going to talk about, on, on delivering the information that our viewers needed to know. And, you know, listening to you talk about um, your presentations, it just reminded me a lot of that. So, you're, you're, you know, when your focus is in the right place, when you're thinking about the job you have to do, um, the, it kind of settles the nerves, I think, on its own. Yeah, I mean, even you think about from a sales perspective, you want to have a little bit of that energy going in because it matters. But if you're constantly consumed with this, what are they going to think of me? All about me, all about me. You can't focus on helping them. And when you show up to that sales pitch and you know, I have a good product, I have something that can add value to your life. How can I help you? Well, then you've got the focus off you. So that energy and that nervousness and those inner voices are, are gone because you're only consumed with how can I help this person be better, help their business be better, changes that whole dynamic of every single interaction. And they can tell it too, because they know, you know, we've sat down with those people. We know those people that are consumed with themselves and we're like, oh my God, they're going to talk about themselves the entire time. What does this have to do with my business versus the one that's like, tell me about your challenges. Like, how can we help you? What's going on? And if I can't help you, let me refer you to another company or another program that does. Oh, well, that suddenly builds a really good relationship that they're going to come back to and do business with you at a later date when it's a better fit. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I'm sitting here thinking, I remember when I, cause sometimes when I first started speaking up and, I, and I, you probably spoke plenty more times than me, but I was I would look to feed off the energy of the crowd. And sometimes that's great. That's like playing a home game. You know, if you got the crowd behind you, let it, you know, help catapult you to another level, use it. But if I wasn't getting the crowd participation or some, some guy just in the front row looking at you that's just there and he's no reaction and, you know, and I let that affect me. So I said, okay, like you say, you make adjustments. And I said, well, next time I'm just going to do me. You know, I'm just saying, uh, hey, this is what it is. Like if I was a comedian, I'm coming out here. This is my joke. If you like it, so great. If you don't, I am putting energy behind it, you know. So that was more of my approach because at first, when I first started speaking, like I said, I love the crowd interaction. So if I got it, it was great. But if I didn't get it, it would affect me sometimes. Now I just, just go for it like you talked about it. Um, it tends to work out when you just, when you, when that's your mindset. It does. And I, and I learned that same lesson speaking with like middle school and high school athletes, especially <laughs> yeah. like a girls volleyball club was the first one. It's like 200 high school girls volleyball and it's like blank expressions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that didn't go over well at all. And I, and I'm in my own head while talking one of my early ones. And, and afterwards, one of the coaches is like, Oh my gosh, we've gotten this really good feedback. I'm like, I got nothing from that. Right. And, but it just reminded me of like, Sometimes people have different resting expressions and 
And I bet like you talked about, it's kind of like when you played on the road, like you had to bring that energy for your team to keep the team locked in and fired up because the opponents, man, they were trying to pull it out of you. But you're like, man, we're going to be our own energy today. We don't have our own fans here. Let's go up on the court, show up. And then what we put out is going to impact and influence them in the stands. Well, hopefully we're going to make them all quiet and going home sad at the end of the night. <laughs> but in the speaking sense, we want them fired up walking out going because we brought that energy to them versus the other. Well said, you know, and, and I, um, one thing you said uh, earlier that I'm, I'm already going to put into play tonight is that, is that sticky note practice. Cause I, I have those thoughts. I think about them at the end of the day, but what I, I don't do is I don't write them down. So you know what I'm taking your advice and, I, and I'm hoping that that's going to, you know, st start me on, on the path of, of getting better in, in some of those little things, right? The little things every single day, um, trying to get better. And, and when you're doing that, even if, you know, going back to the point I made earlier about maybe people who aren't as competitive, if you eat, I guess if you're looking to get better in anything, that, that makes you competitive in a sense, right? It does because you look at it and you're like, man, I messed up here last time. Can I do a little bit better? Like you don't want to be that person that settles. If you're going to achieve more, if you're going to try to raise that standard, why would you keep selling yourself short? I mean, the way I, lo I look at it, like we get one life. Like why would I want to waste any opportunity? And, and the one that I always go back to is, is the book, The Five Regrets of the, of the Dying that Bronnie Ware wrote years ago and interviewing all these people in hospice. And at the end of their life, the number one regret she kept coming across were these people saying, I lived a life that others wanted instead of what was best for me. And, and what that tells me is not that I listened to everyone else's mistakes, but that I sold my life short. I sold myself short because I didn't try to pursue my true potential. And the word I always go back to is, is this word eritos. And you see it a lot of times, erite as excellence, A-R-E-T-E. But as it's pointed out in this book, Top Dog, uh, which is about the science of competition, eritos is actually the revelation of excellence through competition. The ancient Greeks were a culture that thrived on competition. They used the Olympics to honor their gods because they believe competition brought out the best within everyone. It made you a better person, better community member, a better leader. And I've stuck with that because I truly believe this idea of pushing yourself every day to be a little bit better, not only gets you closer to your potential, but it reveals what's already within you that we a lot of times forgets in there, that strength, that courage that sometimes we don't know we have until life throws us in that position. And so pushing yourself, competing against yourself is this idea of just a little bit better every day. So a year from now or two years from now, you look back and you're like, man, I used to struggle with that. Like, why would I have ever struggled with that? That's so silly. Like now I'm killing it. Like that's why it matters to me. And so that no one gets to the end and is like, man, I wish I'd done it better. I wish I'd given more. We walk off like an athlete and Mateen, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you walk off the court at the end of the day, if you gave everything you had in off season training and practice and preparation and on game day, regardless of what the scoreboard says, like you may be a little disappointed if you were a few points short, but like, you know, I gave everything I had. I gave everything I had in the pursuit of everything I wanted versus walking off and being like, man, I partied this weekend. I didn't practice that hard. I took a couple of plays off in the game. Would that have made a difference in the final scoreboard? And you kick yourself thinking, man, what if I just given my best? 
Right. And so that's the difference. That's where we want to be in our career. Like we don't want to get to the end at 65 when we retire and say, man, what could I have done if I'd actually poured into my employees? If I'd shown up and worked my sales process every day, if I'd given more about my team and cared about their hearts, like what could I have done versus like, man, I gave everything I had in the pursuit of everything I wanted and everyone I interacted with. Like I'm good. I'm at peace. Right. Don't, and I, yeah, I tell kids that to um, leaders, to CEOs, to whoever. Don't be the I wish I would have got. Yep. But Jake, let me tell you, I'm glad you cleared up the Eratos because I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Where? What does that mean? So I'm glad the way you broke it down was fantastic, was perfect. And I'm definitely going to get a little Eratos in my life. I love hey, it. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, uh, hey th- thanks, buddy, for uh, for being the one that raised your hand on that because I was in the same boat with you. And uh, w- one thing I've learned through this conversation with Jake is I got to start reading a whole lot more because, you know, oh, this yeah. this guy, I mean, he is he is spitting out all kinds of stuff that I, I've ne- never heard of a lot of it, but uh, I, I find it fascinating nonetheless. So. Top Dog is the book I recommend that as guys who love competition – Ashley Merriman and Poe Bronson wrote this book. Their first book was called Nurture Shock, and it was about essentially the myths of raising children. And it was a lot of what we talked about in terms of praising process over outcome. But going through this process, they started seeing things with competition, and they were like, oh, we need to study this. So the entire book is about the science behind competition, about how we do individually versus teams, small group versus large groups, how men behave differently than women and how that works in terms of pushing buttons and pulling the best out of people. And they did this whole deep dive and, and they conjugated the word Eritas that way because they said the more we saw it, the more it's this revelation. Competition reveals the best within us. And so ever since I wrote, read that, you know, eight years ago, I was like, man, that is what I'm running with. And so if you are a competitive person, highly recommend it because it's one of the most fascinating books I've ever read. Added to the list. I've already made a bunch of notes here about some of the, some of the books that you've mentioned. So I'm, uh, I'm going to have to add this to the old summer reading list. Um, but no, Jake, it's, uh, it's been a great conversation, uh, getting to, to hear more about your story, learn about your company, about your brand. And but before we let you go, tell, tell our listeners out there, tell the people how they can find you on the internet. Yeah, best place is CompeteEveryday.com. Uh, Compete Every Day on any social media platform. We're super active uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, but go to CompeteEveryday.com. You can find out about my book, our apparel, and then the podcast. Uh, and if you heard about it here on the show, shoot me an email or a message, and I'll send you a little something back as a surprise, as a thank you for listening to the guy's show and hanging out today with us. There it is right there. I got it right next to me, see? the book compete every day jake thompson thanks so much for joining us mateen's got his too see we we keep him close by love it thanks guys we appreciate the time thanks so much jake appreciate it to make sure you never miss an episode of power forward subscribe wherever you find your podcasts and leave us a review and look for another new episode coming your way two weeks from now featuring more inspirational stories of success i'm justin white we'll see you next time on power forward